A reading from the book of Isaiah. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? The word of the Lord. I think it would be helpful and actually necessary for us to begin our sermonic time in 2020 with a confession from your pastor. I confess that Joseph and Mary and Jesus are still standing in our front yard. There's still a spotlight on them. They are still surrounded by twinkly red lights, and over them there is still a bright shining star. Now, truth in advertising, there is also a Kevin the Minion standing a few feet behind them. <laughs> but that's another confession for another time. Secretly, I hope that some of our neighbors will perhaps stop and ask why we still have our Christmas decorations in the front yard. I'd love to explain to them. Not just to explain to them that the celebration of Christmas really does not end for us until a day from now. Not only to explain to them that many of our Orthodox brothers and sisters around the world are celebrating the birth of Christ tomorrow or the next day, depending on how you work the calendar. But especially to explain to them who this Jesus is and why he's still there out front. I'm tempted to leave him there all year long. <laughs> you see, Jesus is a big deal for me. Jesus is a big deal for you. Jesus 
is a big deal for our church. Jesus is a big deal for all Christians. That's why we say here and have been for more than 20 years now that we are following Jesus for life in this church. That's why we've been saying all of this program year that we are one village of family together that is following Jesus into the future. A few months from now, we'll start talking about that future, 2020 and beyond. But we can't talk about the future until we've talked about Jesus. Jesus is a big deal, and that should go without saying in a Christian church, but we need to say it, because so much of the world around us doesn't understand that fact. I get this question all the time. Jack, what makes Christians different from other folks? Why is there such a big deal about Jesus? I get that even from Christians, and that's a good question to ask. Why do we make such a big deal about Jesus? Well, part of the reason is right there contained in our name. We are not called Godians. We're not called Spiritans. We're called Christians, Christians. It's about Jesus. Lots of people say to me when they meet me for the first time, they want to make a good impression, I suppose. They say, I believe in God. And I say, that's fantastic. What do you think about Jesus? Lots of people believe in God, and, and that's wonderful. I certainly wouldn't knock that at all. Lots of people believe in God. Muslims believe in God. Jews believe in God. All kinds of people believe in God. And so that's great, but but Christians want to talk about Jesus. I also get this from folks. Lots of folks want to say to me, well, I'm not really religious, or I don't go to church or whatever, but I'm very spiritual. Okay, that's great. Can't knock the spirit either. Yes, there is a world of spirit that is beyond something scientific or physical, if you will. There is something metaphysical. That's a good thing. But Christians want to talk about Jesus. Yes, we too believe in God. Yes, we too believe in the life of a spiritual world or a spirit of God, but we want to talk about Jesus. We're the only ones who talk about Jesus in the way that we talk about Jesus. We're the only ones who say that Jesus is a unique expression. That means there's only one the unique expression of this God in whom so many people say they believe. Jesus is the unique embodiment of this spirit in whom so many people say they believe. We must and we always will talk about Jesus. And so it's really important now, as everybody is taking their plastic baby Jesuses and putting them away for the year, for us to keep talking about Jesus. Because we want to talk more than just about the baby. That's what a lot of people think about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was a baby. He was born into the world. Some other stuff went on. That's fine. Let's move on. 
put the decorations away, let's start going to the sales, we have the new year to celebrate, the NFL playoffs are happening, all kinds of important stuff is going on in the world. Why worry about Jesus anymore? Well, Christianity is for grown-ups as well as for kids. Christianity is about growing up into who God means for us to be. And so we must keep talking about Jesus. We must get to know Jesus better and better every day. Now, right about now, I know that at least some of you are arguing with me. And you're saying, we already know about Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. Jesus had an experience of being lost. You, just, you listen to the children's story, whether you're listening to me or not, I don't know, but you listen to the kids' time. You know a lot about Jesus. Of course you do. But do you know everything? There are lots of reasons to admit that we don't know everything about Jesus. I have lots of reasons that I don't know about Jesus, lots of reasons that you don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. The first reason is that I don't even know myself completely, and neither do you. You don't know yourselves completely. As you grow, as you age, you mature, you begin to learn more and more things about yourself, about why you are who you are, about what you really think about things, about how you respond to life. You don't really know who you are until you have experienced everything that this life has to offer. If you think you know everything about who you are, I can't wait to have a visit with you and find out what you don't know. You're smart enough to know that. If you don't know yourself completely, how can you say that you know Jesus completely? How about other people? There are some of us in this room who have been living with the same person now for 800 years. <laughs> and we think we know everything about them. And of course, we know a lot. But we don't know everything. The couples that I know who have lived 800 years together continually say to me, I'm still learning about who my spouse is. And it's not just for spouses, it's for friends. Some of you have been friends with each other for maybe 750 years. And, and you still learn new things about your friends as you go along. How can you say you know Jesus completely when you don't even know those who are closest to you in your life completely? I've got more for you. We say that Jesus is God. And friends, God is really, really, really big. Do you know everything about God? No, nor do I. If Jesus is God and you don't know everything about God, then how could you possibly know everything about Jesus? Isaiah said that a son was going to be born, a child given, who would be God. A God whose authority would cover everything. A God whom we would name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And then 750 years later, people were still waiting for that child, and a handful of Jews looked at a man hanging dead on a cross and said, he's the one. Do you understand what that's all about? Do we fully comprehend Isaiah and Matthew and Peter and James and Andrew and John and all the rest who tried to learn and tried to understand who this baby was that had grown to be a man? We don't understand it completely. There is more we can learn. Before Jesus was executed on the cross, he asked his own followers, the people who knew him the best, who do you say that I am? Peter gave an answer. I say, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that's a great answer. We'll be talking about that. But we first have to ask Peter's question for ourselves. Who do you say Jesus is? Many of you have walked with Jesus and studied Jesus longer than I have. But none of us knows everything about Jesus. Let me give you some good reasons for spending the rest of your life continuing to get to know Jesus. One of the best reasons is because we need to get to know more about God. God is big. There's always, always more to learn about God. So as we learn more about Jesus, we're going to learn more about God. The life of the Spirit is a mysterious thing, not something that we completely understand. So as we get to know Jesus, we'll get to know more about the life of the Spirit. Those are two great reasons right there, but I have more. Many people will argue, I will be one of them, who will say that Jesus is the single most influential person in all of human history. Now, some people want to talk about that and say, well, there are some others who were as influential. That's fine. We can talk about that. But even if he's only among the top three or the top ten, isn't one of the most influential people in all of human history worth studying some more? Here's another reason. Jesus lived in a time very different from you and me. It's a time that we do not yet understand completely. It's a time that we individually must learn more and more about. To understand Jesus, you have to know about the people with whom he lived and the presumptions about life that they made and the understandings of the world that they shared and that informed what they did with their lives. I'll bet every single person in this room has had the challenge of getting to know someone from a different culture. Have any of you only known people who grew up exactly like you? I was very fortunate as a child who was born in New Mexico to parents from New Mexico, but also parents from North Carolina, to go visit in North Carolina very often as a young child. And I got to know people from a different culture that were part of my own family. They spoke a different language. <laughs> they ate different foods, all fried. They were wonderful. Jesus is a person from a different culture and a different time. And you cannot know him without knowing that culture and that time. 
Here's another reason. Ever since Jesus lived, people have been studying and thinking and writing and coming to their own conclusions about Jesus. And all throughout history, people have said, this is who Jesus is. Now we finally understand. And then in the next generation comes along and someone says, no, now we finally understand. Jesus has been interpreted and reinterpreted countless times and we must learn from all of that. Jesus has always been interpreted from the perspective of those who thought they knew him best, but interpreted from their own history and their own understanding. You see, we look out on the whole world, and the only way we can interpret the whole world is by understanding our world, and sometimes we project onto others that which comes from ourselves. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to read a book called The Man Nobody Knows by Bruce Barton. And Bruce Barton was writing in the 1920s when everything was going great guns in American commerce and industry and capitalism was on the rise. This was before the crash of 29. And as far as Bruce Barton was concerned, Jesus was the greatest Wall Street banker that anybody had ever known. He was a great leader, he was an entrepreneur, he invested in people all over the place. The title of my paper about his book was Jesus in a Three-Piece Pinstripe Suit, because to read that book, that's what you would have thought Jesus wore. We all interpret Jesus based on who we want Jesus to be, but Jesus is Jesus regardless of who we want him to be to be, and we need to get to know who he is. Here's another reason. As you and I grow, as we live through more experiences of life, we learn to look at things differently in life, and that is true of Jesus as well. When you say to a five-year-old, here's the baby Jesus born in the manger, what do you focus on as a five-year-old? You focus on the animals, and you focus on the baby but when you're 15, you start to ask some questions. And when you're 155, you have even more questions. If you're alive, if you're growing, you look on the world through different eyes because you are a different person. And at every stage of life, the different person that you are needs to come back and get to know the Jesus who is. As we do that, we have to learn new information, better information, and even unlearn some old information. Truth be told, we make decisions about every fact of life as we go along, but sometimes we have to unlearn things. One of the best articles I've read about moving into 2020 was an article about how all of our assumptions about how to be healthy in 2020 are somewhat different from what they were in 2010. No wonder I still have so many health issues. I was wrong 10 years ago. Now we're right. And 10 years from now, if I'm still alive, they'll say I was wrong now. Sometimes we have to unlearn things about Jesus so that we can learn the truth about Jesus. Friends, this is important stuff. We say that we follow Jesus for life. We better know the one who we are following. And we better be following the right Jesus, not a Jesus wrongly understood, 
Not a Jesus purposely misinterpreted. Not a Jesus promoted by somebody for their own means rather than Jesus' own means. To follow the wrong Jesus would be like following the wrong car on the freeway. Does that happen to you ever? You're ready to go somewhere. There's too many people for one car. So some pile in one, some pile in the other. The one in the front says, follow me. And that goes well for just a couple of miles on the five. And all of a sudden you discover you're not following the right car and you're lost. Let's not be lost in following the Savior. You see, in the end analysis, you and I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world for you and for me and for the whole world. Because of that, we want to know him better. We want to know him completely. We want to know the real Jesus, not the Jesus in our imagination, not the Jesus of our political manipulation, not the Jesus that we got to know as a baby and then shoved aside. In the 13th century, there was an English bishop named St. Richard of Chichester. He wrote a little prayer that became quite famous. Here's how it goes. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults which thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother, may I know thee more clearly Love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly, day by day. You thought those were the lyrics to a song written in 1971 for a 1973 rock opera by the name of Godspell. But now you know differently. Now you know that in order to follow Jesus more nearly. We must love him more dearly, and we learn to love him more dearly as we know him more clearly. Starting today and through our celebration of Easter in a few months, we are going to focus only on Jesus so that we can get to know him better. I can think of no better way to get to know Jesus than to accept his invitation. In this last season, lots of us have gone to lots of parties, lots of dinners, lots of events. You have to send in your RSVP to let them know you're coming or just surprise them. You have to get out your tux and ask why you didn't send it to the cleaners the last time. You have to make sure that you've got your hostess gift ready and that you know where the party's actually going to be. We have none of those complications when it comes to accepting Jesus' invitation because we know where we're going. We don't have to dress a certain way. We don't have to act a certain way. We don't have to be from Jesus' inner circle of friends who actually get the invitation and nobody else does because Jesus invites everyone to come to his table. This is Jesus' party. This is the place where Jesus says, remember that I love you so much that I died for you.
and now I live for you again. And as you know me and love me and follow me, you too will live. Come to the table.